Hello, I'm Kate Freeman, and this is The Daily Dollop. The Daily Dollop podcast is proudly brought to you by The Capital Chemist, Australia's premium community pharmacy where loyalty matters. On this episode of The Daily Dollop, I'm chatting about how you can successfully manage or potentially avoid the dreaded 3pm slump. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Hope you're having an amazing week so far. In today's episode, I'm actually starting a new three-part series on managing the dreaded 3pm slump. So you know that time of the day, right? In the afternoon where you start to feel maybe a bit hungry, maybe a little bit hangry, a little bit cranky, a little bit tired, a little bit lethargic. And you're then finding it difficult to concentrate and focus on your work. Or worse, you're feeling sleepy at your desk. I remember I used to be a public servant and I was in a very boring, awful job. And I could not keep my eyes open some afternoons because I was just, my energy levels would just plummet and I would be utterly useless. And I think it had a lot to do with the work being very, very unengaging. Um, but, and also being pregnant at the same time. But yeah, that, that feeling of nodding off and you can't stop yourself is awful. I hate it. It happens on a bus when I ride on buses as well. Just that whole nod and then you do that little head shake quiver and try and wake yourself up. But the 3 p.m. slump or just that general afternoon period is a really common time of the day when people express to me that they're making poor food choices or they're craving sugar or they're wanting to eat particular things that then don't align with their goals. And so they're often like, how do I manage that time? Well, I'm going to take you through some key points over the next three episodes around this 3pm slump time of the day and just give you some tips and pointers. But I am wanting to really highlight the fact that at the end of the day, there is nothing wrong with wanting to grab something sweet at the end of the day. You know, if you want to have some chocolate for afternoon tea, right, you go get something sweet to eat. That's absolutely fine. And I think demonizing it and, you know, making it a behavior that we should feel ashamed about is actually not going to be helpful. However, what can also be frustrating is when I meet people who have particular goals that they're wanting to achieve, aka losing weight, and they're still eating, you know, things like chocolate and other discretionary foods throughout the day and then wondering why they're not getting results and they're like, I just need to stop but then they don't really want to stop and they, you know, they don't actually at the end of the day want to change their behaviours. And so I think what's really important to understand is that there's nothing wrong with the behaviour, right? But if your behaviour is not aligning with your goals, then you just want to start to see where some changes need to be made and you either need to change your goals or you need to change your behaviours, but something has got to change. And so I just want to talk you through really holistically through this whole afternoon area and look at a number of different factors that go into feeling a slump at around 3pm on a day when you're, yeah, 
just not feeling it and just what the key reasons are for that and and what you can do about it. But before we get into that, fun fact about me is that I am getting another dog. Woohoo! I'm a two dog lady in five sleeps. So if you've been following me over on Instagram, you would have seen a little snapshot of our new Border Collie puppy, Marshall. And we've done two visits with him now and we pick him up on Saturday morning in five sleeps, which is so exciting. And yeah, he is joining Harvey, my Border Collie cross Kelpie dog. And yeah, I'm so excited. I never thought I could love a dog so much. I've loved having Harvey. He is very good for my mental health. We're besties and I've been training him and he's been doing awesome. He actually did his first fly ball lesson on the weekend and he did really good. So yeah, I wanted to bring another pup in to join the family of always loved Border Collies. Grew up with Border Collies. I love my Harvey, my Border Collie cross. So we've got a purebred coming. He's a tricolor. He's super cute. Anyway, head over to my Instagram, KF Nutrition, if you want to see some super cute puppy photos. I'll try not to spam you too much. Harvey does have an Instagram page, which is now joined with Marshall, Harvey, at Harvey and Marshall, the Instagram. So go and follow them, guys, and you can see what <laughs> me and my dogs get up to. If you are into that, for the non-dog people listeners out there, it's totally fine. I promise I won't rant about dogs and get too puppy crazy over on my regular channels. But let's get stuck into this episode now. So I just want to really preface when we're thinking about any kind of nutrition advice for tackling a barrier or a challenge, it's really important to remember that the context of each situation is really key. And so no individual food exists in isolation. So to say something like chocolate is bad, right, is it's kind of irrelevant because it depends on the context in which the chocolate is eaten. The same goes for nutrients. No nutrient exists in isolation, which is one of the challenges around when I hear people be like, just cut out carbs, is I think, well, carbs are in nearly every food. So it's a bit of a, an unhelpful statement to say that um, nutrients don't exist in isolation. They exist in a context of a whole dietary pattern. And so it's really important to remember that when we're talking about the nutrition advice that goes into managing any kind of you know, challenge that you might be facing throughout the day with your food choices. Another interesting thought that I do want to just put forward is that healthy is dependent on your situation and your goals. And so what is healthy for one person is not necessarily healthy for another. And I think that that's important to understand. And a really good Example of that is when we're working with sports people. I've done a bit of sports nutrition over the years and worked with a few athletes. And I remember one particular athlete who was a 17-year-old male boxer and he was close to 90 kilos, all muscle, very, very lean, training 12 hours a week. Um, And our goal for him was muscle gain so we could get him um, big enough to, to fight in the next weight category. And so his energy needs were in excess of 4,000 calories a day. And so purely because of the high volume of food that he needed to eat to hit his energy goals, we actually had to include some processed, some ultra processed refined foods in there. So we had ice cream, white bread, white crackers, white rice, because if we had wholemeal, whole grain versions of all those foods, 
because of the sheer volume of food he would be eating, it would actually be too much fibre for him and would cause him gastrointestinal upset and problems down the track. And so I wouldn't generally go around being like, everybody, you need to include ice cream, white bread, white crackers in your day and in sort of decent volumes of those foods because that's not healthy for other people. But for this individual, it was healthy. And so keep that in mind. Obviously, he was a really special case and not everybody are competitive boxers, training 12 hours a week, wanting to put on muscle mass. But you get the idea. And I think sometimes we'd like to put healthy in a box and we we really want to compartmentalize these things and make lists of good and bad foods and good and bad meals and healthy versus unhealthy. But there's really, it's a lot more gray than, than what an individual would like to think. And of course, lastly, is that an individualized approach is really essential to figuring out what is the right way to tackle that afternoon time, because you want to think about your overall goals, what else you're eating in the day, what are your total energy needs, what are the foods that you like to eat, what's easy for you to eat, etc. And you can see how, you know, tackling this challenge individually is a really good idea. So what I'm going to chat about in today's episode and in the next two episodes after this is really just some general principles that then can be applied in a myriad of different ways, which hopefully doesn't come as a surprise to you if you've been listening to this podcast for a little while now, is that that's what I do, is teach nutrition principles and then, yeah, on an individualised basis, help people apply that to their life. So I want to just talk about talk. I want to just talk about (laughs) energy. So we use the word energy to actually cover two separate experiences and things. So firstly, we use the word energy in the context of fuel. So nutritionally, we're talking energy from carbohydrates, fats and proteins, which we measure as either calories if you're American or you'd like to use American or um, kilojoules if you like to use the metric system. And so we obviously through a process called metabolism, our body breaks up those nutrients, those carbohydrates, fats and proteins, releases energy from the bonds and harnesses that energy to then move and grow and think and repair and fight off disease, etc. And so when we say the word energy and nutrition, a lot of the time we're talking about energy in the context of being fuel from food and in particular from the macronutrients in our food, carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. However, there's also another way that we use the word energy in the nutrition sort of wellness field, and that is perceived energy, like how energetic we feel. And so low energy could be that we feel tired and lethargic and um, a bit like blah, not really up to it. Maybe we feel exhausted, et cetera. And so we would perceive our energy levels as being low. And that can be completely distinct from the actual energy intake from food. Now, sometimes low fuel from food can then result in low perceived energy. But there are certainly many times where you can overconsume your energy in the form of fuel, so food, but actually still feel 
low and lethargic like you have low energy, so low perceived energy. And I just think it's important when we're thinking about combating that mid-afternoon slump to really think about, well, what is the problem here? Is it that I'm lacking in fuel and that then that is leading to me feeling tired, lethargic, unable to concentrate because I just didn't eat enough today? Or is it that it's a bit more of a perceived energy of how I'm feeling and it maybe is that I didn't sleep very well last night or I'm not getting enough rest, maybe I'm dehydrated, you know, maybe I'm not breathing very well, right? And it could be, you know, a a lack of oxygen, so maybe iron status is low, things like that. And so what I want to do is just get you to start thinking about your own 3 p.m. slump time if you experience that and just start pondering about what you believe might be the the lack of energy that you might be feeling. Is it a fuel problem or is it a perceived problem? Because certainly understanding that and distinguishing between the two is really, really important. That's it for today's episode. Tune in for part two tomorrow. A big thank you to the Capital Chemist and the Daily Dollop in crowd for their continued support of our show. We couldn't do this without them. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you love what you're hearing, please leave us a review.